Hello, this is Professor Dima Jamali and welcome to the Sharjah Talks Business Podcast brought to you by University of Sharjah. Today, we will hear insights on key trends shaping the world of business from a visionary, influential, inspirational Arab business leader who paved his way to global recognition. It's my pleasure and honor to have Mr. Adil Ali, CEO of Air Arabia. Welcome on board, Your Excellency Adil Ali. Just a few words about him. Adil Ali is well known for being at the forefront of the development of modern aviation. His innovative achievements and contributions to air transport and the tourism sector as a whole are globally recognized. He managed to transform Arab aviation in October 2003 when he set up Air Arabia, the first low-cost carrier in the MENA region. This pioneering leader has grown Air Arabia in the next decade into the largest low-cost carrier in MENA and the first publicly owned airline in the Arab world with the largest market value. Under his leadership, Air Arabia business model has gone from strength to strength, enabling it to expand operations, enter new ventures, and diversify its revenue streams. Today, the group holds a portfolio of successful businesses and projects in travel, tourism, hospitality across the globe. No surprise, Mr. Hada has been awarded Airline CEO of the Year on various occasions. He recently received the prestigious 2020 Laureate Award for Extraordinary Achievement in Airline Strategy. Earlier, he won Airline Business Award at the esteemed Airline Strategy Awards and was named world's best low-cost carrier CEO during the World LCC Congress. Real pleasure to have you with us, Mr. Adel. Welcome on board. Thank you for being with us. And let's get started. Thank you, Dr. Aline, and thank you, Dina. Thank you for having us. And uh, it's a pleasure always to be at Sharjah University. Yes, I mean, uh, thank you so much for being with us. I know Sharjah means a lot to you. You've established a legacy here in Sharjah. The title of our podcast today is Building a Legacy for Your Business and Your Community. And I would appreciate it if you walk us through, you know, what kind of legacy you had in mind when you started. What were you able to achieve, uh, the key milestones of success. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I, I think uh, in in business life, uh, you always got to have a purpose uh, that turns into the business. So our purpose in 2003 in Sharjah, for Sharjah Airport, was a transportation to connect people together. Uh, And with that in mind, and and the reason we had that uh, objective, uh, mainly because of the demography that live in this lovely country, and within the region, uh, the MENA region, in, in the sort of the bigger picture. That drove us to the need of people to connect with their families, people to, to, to keep moving rather than stay in one place, but more importantly, to develop the country's vision uh, into the tourism area and get more people to visit us in the country. So having all those things in mind, then we recognize that 
to, to enable people to travel more by air, you needed affordability. But it had to be a sound business model that works for everybody. And obviously, whatever business you put in the place, it has to be a sustainable business. And so the legacy for me here is, is something that should last long, something that should be sustainable on its own merit, something that offers the community uh, a, a facility to, to enjoy and benefit from. As And when I say benefit from, it offers job opportunities, it offers a contribution to the economy of, of the country, of the Emirate of Sharjah. It changed the whole dynamic uh, of how air transportation was needed, starting in Sharjah, but extended to throughout the Arab world. And why the niche of a low-cost air carrier? Why did you focus on this niche? It, it, uh, I'm, I'm personally anti-copy uh, and paste. Uh, and that's and the reason I say this because the Arab world and the world in, in, in the totality has a large number of airlines and, and it exists everywhere. What the region needed is, is something that people should be able to travel at an affordable rate. Uh, and that's what our demography required. And that has been uh, witnessed across the globe now where the, the low cost is a business model that the future generation and, and the young people of today are after. Uh, and, and because of those, we thought, let's do something that would last. Let's do something that the mass people will use it. Travel was restricted to the elite community, uh, but not to the general mass and the general public. So we made that possible and the result of which we moved a, a, a market that used to be 200,000 people two decades ago at Sharjah Airport. Today, it's 15 million people. And that really was the, the vision. Wow, amazing. You spoke about a larger purpose for the business, which is to serve the tourism, hospitality, to raise the visibility of the UAE, of Sharjah specifically, through this project but so my question here is a business always should be guided by a larger purpose and mission one and beyond the job opportunities and the economic growth that has been generated is there more that uh, your business is contributing to the community so balancing purpose and mission with you know day-to-day profitability success how, how do you do that Absolutely. I, I think that the word business, of course, a lot of, a lot of people com- comprise it into profit and loss. And that is an important factor of a business because profit and loss suggest the sustainability long term of a business. But I think the purpose of, of any business, if it has not got to serve the community, if you cannot create and and contribute to the GDP of a country, of an emirate, of anywhere. If you cannot generate a new innovation uh, within the, the area that and the environment you work, it's, it's really purposeless. You might as well put your money in a bank and get an interest rate on it. So I'll give a good example. I think a lot of people uh, think 
uh, were not fully aware of the aviation as travel or airline is a product of getting on an airplane and getting off. But it's a very vast industry, an industry that you know, recruits over 45 million people around the world. An industry that it, it contributes not just to the travel bit, but contributes to the GDP. It contributes to job creation and very well-paid job creation in terms of pilots and engineers and all the other supports that, that has to come into it. So you, you go to therefore wherever we've seen, including Sharjah, uh, Emirates of Sharjah, wherever an airline has been established, you have seen a development of the community, a development of tourism, a development of more restaurants. And if, I, if we just give our own experience here in the Emirates of Sharjah, two decades ago uh, at Sharjah Airport, it was, the airport was excellent infrastructure in terms of the runway and everything else, but not a lot of airlines was using it. With establishment of Air Arabia under the 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 Emiri decree, which was issued by His Highness uh, Sheikh uh, Dr. Sultan bin Mohammed Al Qasimi, the ruler of uh, the, the Supreme Council member and ruler of Sharjah, he had a vision at that time to tell us that look, let's make it big, let's grow something into, give it a name that is applicable throughout the Arab world rather than just give it a name that applicable to one area. So the name Air Arabia came from that, that part and his love for the Arab world and support. So from there, we established, we recognized that an airport that had 200,000 passengers, had a small fleet of taxis, had a very small catering unit, had very limited engineering facilities, to what it is today where it recruits from more than 10,000 people across the whole aviation functionalities with Air Arabia and with other companies that exist. It offers a fantastic uh, taxi fleet that more than 100 taxis are always parked there. Hotels have increased in, in, in the city. More people are visiting us to spend time, tourists see the city and other cities, and they come to Sharjah as a gateway to move to other uh, emirates within the country. And then Air Arabia itself, of course, has grown from what it was a two aeroplane to today over 68 aeroplanes and 120 more aeroplanes are coming. So it's, it has to be a, a developing and ongoing uh, business model. And that's how it, it happens. Equally, it has contributed to the people who have invested into this airline. It's contributed a good return on their investment. This is really amazing and it's a blessing to have, you know, the vision of His Highness, Sheikh Sultan, and also a visionary CEO. And when you combine these two, you get an amazing product and a success story. So the, the next question relating to this is, your, this kind of business is at the forefront of innovation. It's at the forefront of sustainability. It's a key concern now for uh, all kinds of businesses. 
So what is uh, Air Arabia doing to address this, you know, and to embed this, at, you know, address these challenges or concerns or global trends, if you want? Um, what are you doing in your day-to-day? What other trends that, uh, you know, are shaping today's, the way you're running your business at, you know, are on your mind when, in terms of strategy making, in terms of global concerns, challenges? Of course, uh, Dr. Adima, I'm, I'm not alone. Uh, I have a, a big team. Uh, we work together. And probably more credit should go to the team and the people who work for us because one person cannot achieve anything in life. You need to have a great, great team uh, that work. And I always, when I, when I sort of think of things, I always think of the uh, musician uh, orchestra as a fantastic compatibility with any leadership function where you find 100 people uh, playing very small tune uh, each person knows by millisecond when to beat a drum to end up with a very nice music that we enjoy and listen but we do not appreciate how much effort goes into it business is is really no different for me and 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 therefore you got to get your team fully prepared and fully trained uh, to be able to cope with the changing that we're going through. In, in life, if you don't change, and especially in the business life, if you don't change, you get stagnated. And once you get stagnated, then you're out of it. It's a very, it's a very, very fast race that, that we're in. And, and in today's world, the, the race is getting much faster. We have learned a lot uh, pre-COVID and post-COVID. We're all obviously grateful that the COVID is behind us, but there was a lot of learning. And the life also has changed for, for us. So today we're dealing with the Generation Z. Generation Z is a very interesting because they are our current clients and they are future clients for the next 20 years. They are a very different generation. They're a generation who demand uh, product, speed, and easy access, and they will manage their life. So that is an environmental f- uh, that has come into our life that we're not used to it. It's a new one and we got to adopt. You adapt by using the technology. The AI is a great thing that has come to, to our life. It depends how you use it and how you apply it. So it's so important that you, you keep upgrading your people, yourself, with all the latest technology. Another challenge that has come to us is, of course, the environmental challenge and the sustainability. Uh, And aviation has been blamed for it. Uh, Whether it's a fact or not, it, it, it has. Part of it, because the aviation has not communicated with the world about what they've done for this industry in terms of uh, sustainability, and particularly when it comes to the environmental and CO2 generation. So 20 years ago, and today, if you compare the airplanes and the engines that exist, it has achieved more than 60% fuel efficiency, less fuel burn. Today, it generates 2% of the total global fuel CO2. But of course, that the, the, the global transportation 
if we take the the, the sea fra- the sea, sea lines and the cars and everything else, it's 27% COT contribution to the world. 2% of which is aviation. And in the aviation, we believe as a leader of aviation that 2% is too much and we should cut it down. And I know all the engine manufacturers, all the aircraft manufacturers, all of us in the airlines are working together as a team to see how could we reduce that. So we're working very closely with the, the, the energy generator in terms of oil and so on, the electrical airplane coming in. There's a lot of work going on to see how can we make a world a better place to live. And that's, that's the aim to go on. But it's a challenge that you got to face it, and it's a reality that you go for, forward. The other challenge that exists in, in, in post-COVID is, of course, two. One is the supply chain challenge, which is affecting every industry. And the way it's difficult to get a watch nowadays or a car because of the supply chain, aviation has the same issues. Engines are getting slower to come in. Aeroplanes are getting slower to, to bring in. Along that, uh, human part of it becomes a major issue. So employment becomes much more difficult. A lot of people don't want to work uh, anymore. The irony of the world today is that the world complains about having the highest number of unemployed. At the same time, when you try to recruit people, there aren't a lot available. And you need to close those gaps because we've seen, we're lucky in this part of the world, in UAE, because of their fast reaction to COVID, the solution, because of the way the country operates, we've not had a big impact. But in other parts of the world where we have businesses and operators and Air Arabia Group, we had to, to, to reduce the flights, airports like Amsterdam and so on, had to cut 30% of their business because of shortage of manpower. So those challenges you have to live with and you got to replace it by technology to make sure that people are still able to travel. Beautiful. So we're talking about three key challenges. One is embedding technology, AI specifically, two, sustainability, climate change, climate action, and three, a healthy pipeline of talent. And let me go to three and ask you a bridging question here, which is universities are, you know, sometimes accused of operating in silos and we have the responsibility to produce this talent pipeline. But unless we align with industry, we are now going to produce the talent that you need that is really employable. And today, employability is one of those themes that are so important for universities, for accrediting agencies. So what can we do to bridge this gap more between industry and, you know, higher education institutions and to make sure that the talent that we're producing is really ready, full readiness to embark successfully and integrate in the job market? Not an easy question, but but I think you you summed it up nicely, uh, Victoria, where you said that the the universities and the companies got to work together in understanding, bring that understanding closer of what the market needs. 
But I think the bigger part of it also relies on the student themselves. They got to decide what they need. And for me, uh, train, train, train. Uh, the academic training is extremely important and it's really your life uh, after the youth, that you need to have it locked in. But equally, the life training is so important and the practical training at workplace is, is so important. I believe today the, the, the our industry and most of the industries are suffering uh, from shortage of academically qualified people do exist, but a lot of willingness and knowledge and experience of how to do it. And to, to achieve that gap, to close that gap, in my opinion, you do need the two to work together. You need to bring more people to practice on their job during their breaks and so on. And that should give people an appreciation of what the work life is, is like. Uh, jobs is something that has, has to do with individuals' attitude. And, and I believe that we need to prepare more people about their attitude towards a job. Job is not something you should start with looking at how much you paid and how many hours you want to work. It's something you want to see what style of life you want and what's your attitude toward the world. It's actually another university after a university to learn, especially at the youth time. And once you learn, then you pay your other opportunities comes with it. And it's an, another, another, using the terminology of competition, another race. Because in no companies, one person is alone. And it's not easy. You got to work hard for it, hard for it, just like the, the, the university to gain good marks and recognition and moving up in your career. So do not, the expectation is so important when you are a student in higher education to recognize that when you leave, there are going to be lots of opportunities, but a lot of people competing for those opportunities. So try to understand it better, decide what you want to do long-term, not the first job, and then work hard for it. Opportunities, I believe, are there, and particularly in the area we live, plenty. I love this. And I think for the students who follow us, very important for them to hear. Universities are here to prepare you like basic knowledge and preparedness. But there is an element of lifelong learning that you have to invest in your continuous learning, training, take your training seriously, and very important, you touched on attitude. I think attitude is as important as your knowledge. You know, your propensity, showing willingness uh, to invest, to immerse yourself, to know what you want, to have a flexible uh, attitude with an open mind. I think this is uh, gold. This is gold. <laughs> and, and if I may add, in, in what I can tell you for sure today, in most of the big organization, when they recruit people, the first thing they recruit and look for is attitude before anything else. If you've got the right attitude, you can do any job. Yeah, absolutely. You need the, the uh, skill set, but also you need the attitude. Yeah, skill set is now taken as a granted that people are going to be well educated. Universities are good. They're going to prepare people. And therefore, 
the success and the failure is about your attitude towards your job, the people that you work with. I think this is beautiful. Very, very nice. My next question to you is about leadership. You're an inspirational leader. You have created a legacy. You have taken Air Arabia from success to success. What do you believe are the key attributes of successful leader? You know, and is there a model or, you know, there is all this debate about leadership is innate, no leadership is acquired by experience, no leadership is by practice. So I want to hear your thoughts about what good leadership entails and uh, based on your experience, please. So I, I think you can give any titles and any name. In my, my humble opinion, um, when you don't know that you're a leader, it's a good thing. I mean, people do tell me about, yeah, you're a good leader, you, you've got the leadership skills and all that. But I think leader, leadership is when people recognize you as a leader, not you decide that you're a leader. It, it's no different than being an entrepreneur. You're not an entrepreneur by, by doing a business and calling yourself entrepreneur. You do a successful business and then people will recognize that you are an entrepreneur. It's not a title that you want to gain. It's, it's people should recognize that you've done a successful things. When it comes to leadership, it's very simple. You are leading people, not necessarily businesses, and the people will run the business for you. And therefore, I believe that if people that are with you do trust your judgment, do trust what you plan, and you have the ability and the skills to listen to people and listen to what they have to say and take into consideration what they say. Being, I, th I think a human being is a good leader. And it is not about the hierarchy. It's not about the title. It is not even about knowledge because no matter how much knowledge an individual leader has, collective group of people will have a much more stronger knowledge and ability to make a decision. So I think it's about how leading the people and how leading a people is, is how to manage people in a best possible way as a human being and treat everybody as a good part of the team and contributes. So that's part of it. Of course, there are a lot of other things. You've got responsibility of business sustainability. You've got accountability in the business. You've got a lot of those management tools that you have to have. But in my, my view is a, a good leader who can see the road ahead for, their, for his people, who can make sure the people that rely on him are motivated and work well and you listen to them. You can see where the danger is coming from. So sometimes people can't see why you're doing it. Are you doing it because you don't want to be on the wrong side of the fence? And therefore, it's important to communicate very well with the people externally and internally. So it's, for me, leadership is all about looking ahead and protecting your people and leading from the front so people can trust you. Beautiful. So vision. And you mentioned something about the humane, you know, understanding people, managing people, as human beings with a lot of like compassion, if you want, empathy, trust building, 
and you know navigating threats and opportunities with your team but i have to comment i've seen a lot of leaders and you're one of the most genius honestly that i've encountered oh, but what touches me about you is how humble you are that you are modest that your feet are on the ground that you said something that leadership is earned like people you know you earn it from those around you it's not something that is given to you or that you can claim and i think this is a big takeaway for for today i i i think you know what i mean by human being i believe in being a human right and and the just changing the world means a lot being we are all human being the 8 billion people in the world are human being but we need if you want to be good you need to be to to, to be a being a human so treat people the way you want to be treated but but i think titles whether you know leader or manager or ceo whatever is a title that comes to you and goes away and 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 that's the nature of the life we live in what is important in in my 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 opinion is to make sure that when you have got tight that title the, the the higher you get the more you need to respect everybody in your organization and outside and as i said at the beginning no matter what knowledge you have it's small knowledge there's much more knowledge outside there and no one person can make things you need a team beautiful i totally agree and i think another takeaway here is like while you're in a, your leadership role focus on maximizing you know the benefit the the impact and this is what you can leave as legacy this is what, what what you should focus on because it will not last it hasn't lasted for people before you it will not last for you as well so i think this and, is and i think you got to accept that leadership is hard it is not easy it's not about luxury you know i want to share a story of uh, a very distinguished person who's now no longer with us in this world and he was very powerful he was close to the top notch of the government in one particular country and once i my curiosity i asked him and i said to him you must be a lucky man you must be a happy man you've got the contact to the toppest people in the world and anything that needs to happen uh, you want to do it will happen for you and his reply to me was well i'm like a tarzan in the jungle people see me you know sitting on the on the top of a, a lion but i always worry when that lion gets upset with me so so life is from external people look at you in a position or a leadership thinking this is a happy life it's a tough life because you got the responsibility of the people that are working with you their well-being their family issues we would not have had a better experience in hardship than what we suffered in covid 19 the last two years and that's where the true leadership came out in some companies of how did you look after your people how did you manage the business how you did not make a mess out of it all uh, so so while leadership is 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 an, in, in a good thing to have and one is should be passionate about it and i feel so happy that i'm on the top of a company that i'm managing and that's hard you can imagine on the top of a country how hard it is but i i think you should always always 
make sure that you are the same person, you accept and enjoy what you're doing, and the day you don't, you should step away from it, and make sure that your priority becomes uh, the people that are supporting you all the way through. Beautiful. I think uh, very good insights about leadership, and I value very much your feedback. And I want to ask you, how did you manage it during Corona? As you know, airline was hit very, very hard. So, uh, and you still managed to get through. You earned Air Arabia earned the best airline of the year in 2020 or 2021. So, what were you know? How did you navigate through this? I think this goes back to what we just said. It was hard. It was hard for everybody. Uh, but what we did, we, we, we decided, and this is the way we operate at Air Arabia as a team, we always have, we plan for the worst scenario in difficult situations, and COVID was one which was difficult. So right at the beginning, we said, okay, and it was me and the leadership team that we have in the company, it's 16 of us, so it's, it's me plus other 16 people. We sat around the table because obviously airport was stopped, no airlines was flying, nobody was traveling. So we had to now manage the future of the company and make it sustainable until life comes back. So we, we, we looked at a scenario and said, let's, let's make sure that we communicate well with our suppliers, with our bankers, with our financiers, and tell them the full truth position of the company, shared it with our board members, and they agreed on our plans. Then we planned for the worse, that if everything is closed for the next three years, where are we going to be? And we felt that even if everything closes for three years, we will be fine. We will still, it be difficult, very, very hard, but we will survive. And, and it was about survival at that time. With the grace of God, things worked out better and turned positive. But those decisions of restructuring, of readjusting the number of people we had, redistributing the responsibilities and role, have paid off and made us much, much better than when the COVID started. So our... our net net of the company was worth more at the end of COVID than at the beginning of the COVID. And I think a lot to do in, in from, a, from a management and from a leadership point, it's a lot to do with in business you need to plan. Uh, plan, plan, plan and execute. Uh, execution alone, you get lost very quickly. And my advice to the student that think plan as I'm sure you give them business exercises where a lot of people jump to the tasks they need to plan first and then go to the task the task becomes easy and that's what we took the the, the, the academic principles and applied it in this instant and it worked very well beautiful so you planned for worst case scenario best case scenario and you focused on survival, you, you discovered that even in worst case scenario, you are going to, you know, emerge from this and bounce back. And thankfully you've bounced back beautifully 
So this is brilliant. I want to end uh, today the podcast by please asking you to give advi- advice to young, our young students, talent who are listening, are following this podcast, who want to create a success story in their careers. We gave them already a bit of advice, but what more would you add to what we discussed today? I, I think, you know, the, the, the from my perspective, uh, you're young, you've got a long time ahead of you. Patient is a very, very important part of your life. Don't rush and have an expectation that things will happen very quickly. Everything will take time. So my first advice would be, be patient. Second, and when I say be patient, do not expect when you go into job or set up a business or whatever, that you will get the results immediately. When things do not go right, It's the best thing for you at the youth because that's when you're learning. If everything goes right, then when it goes bad, you suffer. And therefore, look at the beginning at how you can make it right, keep it right, accept all the challenges and uh, negatives that will come as a learning. There's nothing free. So, So those are the prices of the learning that you get in the life you pay. So I think managing a business is about being in the front, the walkabout, showing your people how it's done. The smaller the office you have, the more successful you will get. So it's not about luxuries and offices and titles. It's about walking the talk. Be in front of it. Customers matter. In business also, while it's very, very competitive in any business. And you got to realize that don't rely that if you're in trouble, the banks will give you money. The banks are fantastic financial services to, to run your business. But if you rely always to borrow too much money, that becomes a very expensive business to operate. So do do it yourself on your merit. There's nothing wrong in starting small and growing. That's success. You don't want to start big and shrink. That's failure. So for me, um, you know, be patient, be in the front of the business, and walk the talk. Those are the three criteria that that it works. Have a, the right attitude. Invest in yourself and in your continuous learning. Plus, you know, be patient, learn from your failures, from your setbacks, walk the talk. You know, I think very nice combination of uh, advice from a brilliant, experienced business leader. We're really delighted to have you. This was a very rich episode. Great insights. Thank you for our listeners for their precious time and stay tuned for our next episode in the Sharjah Talks business podcast and see you soon. Thank you so, so much, uh, uh, Mr. Adil. It was a pleasure having you. Thank you, doctor. Appreciate having me and I hope it will be useful. It was amazing. Thank you. <laughs>